Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Just a couple of days ago, I um, read um, of an interview with um, uh, Dr. Paul Davies. Um, He's a a world-famous cosmologist. Um, Some years ago, he wrote uh, the book The Mind of God, Um, and I think he was awarded the um, Templeton Prize um, for his... um, his work in in that area. In this interview, which was um, just, uh, as I said, a few days ago, he was asked, um, did he believe in eternal life or life after death? And he said, oh, well, you know, the question is still out on that. Um, He wasn't sure, he seemed to indicate, but he did make the interesting comment that one of the, the fascinating things that science really has no explanation for is consciousness. Uh, that is our mind, our, our thoughts. And, um, of course, this is uh, you know, one of the, the, the key issues. Evolutionary theory really can't explain because it works on chemical mutations. So how did consciousness arise? How did... Um, the you know the, the, this whole concept of consciousness, uh, which is non-material, we can't weigh it, we can't measure its volume of our thoughts. It, it's non-material, but that's who we are. And so I guess the other question that goes with that is with with everyone, uh, with with us all, is where do we want to spend eternity? Is is there really life after death? Um, is there a, a future or is our life here just, uh, you know, a few decades and then um, our uh, chemistry, our biochemistry, the molecules and atoms that make us up um, just uh, return to, to dust? Um, but what about our thoughts? And so this really leaves open a, a very um, I- I- important issue um, I have a I have a little card. It's just like a little business card, which I call a hope card. And on the front's just got a little personal testimony that you know I've had many answers to prayer, and um, I believe that there's a, a God, Jesus Christ, who who loves us. And um, and then I just say on the back of some some websites that uh, you might be interested in um, in um, helping you to know God. Because Jesus himself said that this eternal life, to know God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son, whom he sent. And uh, Jesus also taught that this is the will of God, and in, particularly in John 6.40. The other verse, of course, is in John 17.3. But in John 6.40, um, Jesus said, This is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son should have eternal life, and I will raise them up. On the last day, and so this is God's will, actually, that we that we live uh, forever. Our consciousness um, will survive, and of course, the Bible is a whole account of people's uh, encounter with God, and though that this world became uh, subject to to evil, and really needs to be um, replaced, destroyed, and replaced um, again with um, a new earth where there is no no evil. And so the Bible talks about how God has planned a, a future for us, so a future in which 
our consciousness is is preserved and we have recreated new bodies that won't fail and deteriorate. Our biochemistry won't uh, break down over time um, and our consciousness will be preserved in that. We'll be able to live a life again and, um, and forever and with God who designed the amazing universe, um, designed the amazing living uh, systems. And this is a wonderful you know, promise in my mind. And it's interesting, as I, I, uh, from time to time, off of these cards, I might be buying uh, petrol or something and there's no one around, I talk to the cashier person and say, look, would you like one of my hope cards? Or, um, you know, I meet someone, you come up with a bit of a conversation about things and then as you're parting, you say, look, would you like one of my hope cards? And the whole idea of it uh, was that, or is that, to give people the opportunity to connect with, uh, you know, Christian programs uh, that are available um, on the on the internet because lives this uh, websites where they might come to know uh, about God because it really concerns me that so many young people, uh, particularly, don't know about God and it's surprising too. While many people take the cards. There are many people that don't take the cards as well, and I, I really feel for those those people, uh, because God has promised us um, uh, eternal life there, and where we spend eternity really is is a very important um, is a very important thing. If people miss out on that, and it, it's such a free gift. The the Bible talks about how uh, eternal life. Is, is a free gift of God. God created us originally to live uh, forever, but he wants us to make a choice. Do we want to live forever in a good environment, in an environment where there is no hate and bad things happening, an environment that uh, where everything is good um, and based on love? Um, and people, people have that choice, and God leaves it up to us to, to make that choice. But I can see in our culture today, there, and it, it seems very clear to me that there have been so many attempts down through history, when you look at the history of things, to obliterate, for example, the Bible account, to destroy the copies, to ban people from reading it, um, and even today in our world, we know that the persecution of Christians around the world is a is a is a growing issue, and also the uh, the fact that um, you know Christian doctrines, the, the Christian history of civilization, which really underpins modern civilization, um, and hospitals, medical systems, and education, and so forth, were. So many of these things were found in the context of a Christian background and the end of slavery and all these sort of things. And of course, we still have slavery today, but the and and in the world in in non-Christian places. So it's very important to um, you know that people understand this history, but it's being denied. It's being you know, in my understanding, taken out of uh, curriculums and and so forth. 
this this uh, you know it's a, a big argument uh, uh, causes stemmed uh, especially from the teaching of evolution and uh, long ages and this sort of thing which um, appear to discredit the Bible. And, of course, in the past, if you look, uh, listen to previous programs where I've talked about the overwhelming evidence that we have now for a young Earth, you know, radiometric dating, um, the results really cannot be validated. We have no standard reference rocks to, you know, to validate the methods. And... Um, and yet when we look at erosion rates and so many other factors that decline in the Earth's magnetic field, it all points to a very young Earth and, and young solar system. And, the you know, the, ev- the evidence is there, but it's not being uh, presented in our, in our curriculum. And we, we know the, you know, from the biochem- complexity of biochemistry, evolution is absolutely impossible. You know, you can't have a... Uh, you know, some millions of identical random long-chain molecules just forming by chance, then assembling themselves into a structure and then a very special molecule encoding a description of that structure forms, um, you know, which we call DNA, and then a code reading system, a, a ribosome also involving, you know, hundreds of thousands of atoms to construct this molecular machine that can read the code and, and reconstruct a, a new identical, um, uh, you know, structure like the, the, the first cell. Um, you know, there's just so much points to it. It's absolutely impossible. It can't occur. And the same in the, in the universe. Um, the universe we observe has, you know, precisely, well, it's interesting, the evolutionist Richard Dawkins in uh, one of his books claimed the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Well, of course, um, his, his remarks were meant to be provocative, but, of course, are they accurate? Um, you know, what would a universe of sheer randomness and chance look like? And it, it's interesting in um, one of uh, Dawkins' uh, books, he actually concedes that uh, biology gives the appearance um, of uh, design in his book, the, uh, the, you know, the Blind Watchmaker, um, I think it's uh, pretty well on page one. Um, but, of course, it's, it's not only biology that leads us to question, you know, uh, Dawkins' uh, assessment about the uh, universe. And, and, by the way, um, that uh, uh, description of um, uh, the universe that um, you know, Dawkins claimed that... Uh, the universe uh, has the properties we would expect if there was no design. He made that claim in his book uh, River Out of Eden um, on page 133. And um, I think when we look at the cosmos, and this is, for example, what you know, Paul Davies was studying, the cosmos ex- itself provides such strong indication of intelligence. You know, the universe along with the physical laws and the constants which govern you know, the day-to-day operation of the universe, give every indication of being fine-tuned to allow complex life, such as ourselves, to exist and flourish. 
And um, it's interesting that uh, this evidence is so well established that it's even been given its own title. It's called the Anthropic uh, uh, Principle. And um, there are, you know, books that have been published on that. Matter of fact, the implications of a designer are so strong, in fact, that atheists have been forced to come up with some, you know, crazy mechanisms to explain away this extremely odd fact. Um, And only odd from an atheist uh, perspective, of course, because as Christians, Christians have an explanation. There is a, a creator, a loving God creator. But uh, one of the ways that atheists have to try to explain this away is by appealing to the the multiverse theory. And um, you can read about this and Google. There are all these different articles. And, of course, the uh, cosmologist Paul Davies talks about this too. And, you know, he, uh, they, and of course, in, in cosmology, they talk about universes asking, asking for, you know, so many billions of years and then being gobbled up or replaced, all sorts of crazy ideas. Um, but the multiverse theory um, is one in which uh, essentially they're trying to base it on probability. Um, and essentially it's a, a theory where they say, well, just about everything has a possibility of, of happening. It might be you know, what we would class as impossible to happen. But their argument is uh, eventually, if you have billions of trillions of zillions of years, that something, you know, like that could um, could happen. Um, but to make it happen a little bit faster, instead of there just being one universe, they say, well, well what if there are almost a, an infinite number of universes um, and so our universe just happens to be one of an infinite number of universes that uh, exists where everything just did work out right for life. So you can see this is a, a, a crazy and very wasteful way. It in, you know, in, uh, suggests that there's this uh, enormous amount of, uh, of uh, material out there and, and so forth um, and that we just happen to be in the one that's... Uh, lucky. And then they say, it's only natural that we should observe it, since if we were any of the other ones, we wouldn't be able to exist at all. So, of course, um, this cosmic fine-tuning is really not a scientific answer. I mean, you can't reproduce it or anything. It's just a a made-up explanation. But it illustrates how far atheists have to go to to try and explain the existence of the uh, universe and the fact that the universe is so finely tuned. In other words, the gravitational constants, the um, different other force field constants that are involved um, are extremely fine-tuned. The laws of chemistry... And, and physics um, are amazing how they all fit together. The periodic table structure, the structure of the atoms, the, the properties of the different atoms that result from these different structures uh, of the different bonding scenarios so that we can have, you know, um, elements like carbon that can make diamond and have another similar structure that make like graphite that slides, it's like a, a lubricant, and yet it's the, the same atom. 
we can have the the properties of hydrogen bonding in water so that you know water just before it freezes expands so that ice floats on the lakes and lakes don't freeze solid uh, from the you know and and destroy all the um, uh, life in them they form this insulative uh, coating on the on the top and um, it's interesting that the uh, Paul Davies, who's an evolutionary astrophysicist, really, he he writes, um, "How seriously can we take this explanation for the friendliness of nature?" Uh, this is talking about um, you know the multiverse. Not very, I think. For a start, how is the existence of the other universes to be tested? To be sure, all cosmologists accept that there are some regions of the universe that lie beyond the reach of our telescopes, but somewhere on the slippery slope between that and the idea that there are an infinite number of universes, credibility reaches a limit. As one slips down that slope, more and more must be accepted on faith and less and less on open to scientific verification. And so... And here's, you know, top physicist pointing out that once we jump into these multi-universe explanations of things, we're in the uh, realm of, of fairy tales. You can make up anything because you can't prove anything. Um, but we can make observations out there in space. We can observe biochemistry and biology. And what does it all point to? It points to a creator. It points to a designer. Of course, uh, you know, the origin of this many world uh, thinking on the scientific community uh, goes back possibly to a, uh, a bit of a, a joke suggestion by Erwin uh, Schrodinger, who uh, was one of the uh, founders of quantum mechanics, of course, he, um, you know, they were looking at uh, the so-called wave function uh, probabilities of certain events and the random decays of, uh, uh, of atomic particles. And, um, you know, there's lots of fascinating things and problems that these scientists have, have uh, looked at. Um, in, in fact, if we, you know, look at light, the fact that light has these two properties of properties of particles and of waves... Um, light can be affected by gravitational fields. Um, hence, we you know, have this black hole phenomena where the, it appears that the gravitational pull is just so strong that light can't escape and no forms of radiation can escape. They're all um, you know, drawn back on themselves. And I suppose if we, if we can understand this, if, if you were to... Uh, throw a ball into outer space. If you throw a ball up in the air, it'll come back down. If you throw it harder, it'll go further, but then it'll come back down. But eventually you can throw it hard enough that um, it won't come back down. In other words, it's the, you're able to give an acceleration that exceeds that of gravity, and so it is able to escape into outer, outer space and continue growing. And it's the same with light. Uh, light that is near a very uh, strong gravitational field just doesn't have the energy to be able to escape. Um, it can go up, but it just gets pulled back down. It can't escape into outer space for us to see it. So that's the sort of principle of the uh, black hole. Um, it's interesting, Paul Davies goes on to say in terms of... Um, 
the extreme multiverse explanations are therefore reminiscence of theological discussions indeed, uh, invoking an infinity of unseen universes to explain unusual features of the one we do see um, is no better than having an unseen creator. And he points out that the multiverse theory may be dressed up in scientific language, but in essence it requires the same leap of uh, faith as it does to believe in creator. So this is one of the things that we really need to um, uh, point out, and that is that science hasn't disproved God. Science has no explanation for the universe, really, for the origin of the universe. Well, sure, in schools we get taught about the Big Bang Theory and this sort of thing, but really the scientific substance for that, it just fails. Uh, you need you know, all these other sort of paradigm, you know, theories, inflation theory and so forth that can't be proved, can't be tested, uh, need you know, uh, dark energy, dark matter, all these sort of things to prop the theory up. So the bottom line is that we can't explain our existence. We can't scientifically explain the universe. We can't scientifically explain the origin of uh, a DNA code that could form that would describe accurately the structure of a living cell that had formed. So when we think about these things and when we look at the diversity of nature of the beautiful animals and flowers and plants and so forth, we, to me we see this amazing beauty and complexity but we also see the impact of evil. Um, animals have to kill one another to survive and so forth. And also we see the uh, effect on humans um, of, of evil. You know, when I think of the advances that we're making in medicine, in treating diseases like Parkinson's uh, disease now, where we sort of can, you know, connect electrodes to the brain, help bring relief, um, we can um, making tremendous advances in treating different types of cancers and heart disease and, and so and, and diabetes. Um, we uh, you know making uh, tremendous inroads in uh, surgical techniques um, in controlling you know childhood diseases and and so forth and at the same time we're building terrible rockets and bombs and and things um, that are killing people we have other people fighting and shooting one another we have you know, a breakdown in uh, family relationships. We have a lot of um, uh, domestic violence in uh, in in, West, in certain Western in Western countries. Uh, the relationship of marriage um, is is breaking down. We have the impact of alcohol and drugs on people's minds, um, uh, leading them to, in many cases to do really bad things while under the influence of those substances. Um, and so we can see this effect. It's exactly what the, the Bible describes, that a, an evil influence has come in and affected our minds. And the, the beautiful message of the Bible is that there is an eternity. There is a, a life after death. 
Um, and Jesus talks about this. He talks about that when we die, we're asleep. Asleep until Jesus returns again and recreates um, the, the world. God says the, uh, the world is going to be destroyed by fire. People are worried about global warming. Well, it's going to get a lot worse than that. The world will be totally destroyed and recreated again instantaneously. And, you know, people wonder how this can happen. And I just wish there were more, you know, uh, opportunities for creation scientists to get their work published. But when you think about it, your thoughts can affect your the movement of your fingers and you can write an essay or a poem or describe a scene. And I, I simply think that, uh, and we, that God's, if our thoughts can do that, if our thoughts can affect electrical fields that affect nerves that you know, affect the movement of our body, surely God's thoughts can affect the force fields that constitute the universe and just just recreate it well, with his mind um, and, and instantaneously. So to me, the, the scientific explanation for God to be able to do instantaneous creation is there. We, we, we have the evidence for it. Um, and there's a lot more that can be said about that. If we can instantaneously, virtually, well, almost instantaneously, I guess, governed by the you know the speed of transmission of electrical impulse in our body. But for God's not limited by this the speed of light at all. Or the and so God can have His thoughts influence force fields instantly to recreate things to create things, and I'm sure that's how He did in the beginning. And God says He's going to create it perfect and recreate those of us who choose, who want to be there. God has forgiven us for all the bad things that we've done. He just wants us to come to him and allow him to live in us and bring about those changes, which he describes as the the Holy Spirit coming into us. It's part of God himself coming in and dwelling in us and changes. And I've experienced that in my own life. So I can see the changes in my life, my attitude to things since I accepted Jesus as my saviour. So when we think about the, the science of the universe, the science of eternity, it makes sense, the biblical uh, account, that there is a creator God who has always existed. He has no beginning. He has always been there. And he is um, about to, um, you know, to remake this universe. So there is a hope for a life after death. There is that special opportunity for each of us to choose that. And that's why I'd encourage, you know, everyone listening to, to read, the, read the Bible and perhaps start with the New Testament, perhaps easier. And, of course, the Old Testament has the history there. Um, and read uh, for ourselves the account. It makes so much sense. It fits with science. And remember, of course, that um, you can uh, re-listen to these programs by just Googling uh, 3ABN Australia, all one word, .org.au and uh, click on the radio um, and listen uh, buttons and scroll down the um, the different uh, programs uh, there. And remember to put um, 
details and tell your friends about these programs that they too may learn the overwhelming evidence we have for a loving God uh, who loves us and has a, a future planned for us for eternity. I'm Dr. John Ashton. You've been listening to Faith and Science. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 